This is Land and Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we are right here live doing another hunting podcast. Yes, and this sir. one is, as we said, we like these uh, just because we can be a little more official because, or unofficial, I, I guess. Saying, this is nothing A little more about laid back um, as we are discussing hunting strategies, hunting stories, hunting gear. And this week we are still in spring, so, and we may be coming out of spring turkey season probably soon. But we haven't we haven't covered a calling podcast. So some of you guys in the south, go ahead and cl- save this one for next year and practice, or go ahead and listen to it multiple times. So next year, yeah, when season hits, you put her, are put her on repeat till it's primed spring. and ready. <laughs> and so we have a pile of calls set out in front of us, and we are going to go through those calls, the type of call, um, how we are using it, the scenarios we use it, and how we have been successful with it. Um, it is. The final week, almost final weekend, this will release on the second to last day of Missouri turkey season 2018. Um, and we've had one amazing, season. amazing season. It's been a totally uh, way better, be- best year I've ever had. And we are in a year where numbers are way down. Numbers now, are way down. Not We're behind on the spring. It's been some challenging. Locked up turkeys. Yeah. It's been one of those years. We're not trying to toot our own horn, but we have found birds that wanted to work, or we put ourselves in positions to where birds came in. And and we've been able to review that the past couple of weeks of talking about these hunts and the different scenarios that we found ourselves in and the techniques um, that we use, strategy we use to get in the right spots. Um, we killed a lot of birds off the roost and not... Uh, it, it happens, obviously, to us. We, we do that kind of early on. And then, honestly, we find the later part of seasons, most years, birds mid-morning that just, they rip and you get in, you call them to them, to you, and you kill them. But we really didn't have to find ourselves in that situation um, this year. We just got and, in tight, worked them off the roost, and... And, and the few mornings bang. we did, we weren't really successful. Um, right. We were a couple of times, but half the time I felt like, the ones that stuck out on mid-morning hunts were the days we didn't kill anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Lots I don't know hands. what the final tally is for me, but I think it was eight for t- eight out of 11 mornings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that eight, we killed eight times out of 11 mornings. So really good Six, season nine, for us. 12, um, yeah. uh, pretty aggressive. We got downright aggressive at times. That's and okay. I'll, and, and I'll give some of the calling situations that I used. Um, that I would consider aggressive. Anyway, this is going to be a nice run through different calls and give you guys the scenarios. Um, are you and ready? I'm I'm ready. Hopefully this the sound won't be way too loud. So we're gonna have to step back from the yeah. mic. So um, so just if if it is, just bear with us for a little bit. But um, we're just gonna review them and, and talk about the ways that we use different calls. Um, different scenarios. And again, we have a wide, wide range of calls. Um, some that we always have in diaphragms, always have those in, um, walking around as we're, we're getting set up middle of a hunt, ladder port of a hunt. We're always using them, but, um, we'll talk about just different calls that we use often, different sequences, cadences, um, and the scenarios that we find them most applicable. So 
as, as we're going to have this conversation, probably a uh, podcast with mouth calls in. I have one in right now. This is kind of just the classic. So if you me. hear some lips smacking, it's just a mouth call. <laughs> it, it, that's how, that's the way it is. But I'm going to start out since morning birds are still roosted. We're at the setup. What I have in my hand is one of my favorite calls that we have. It's often replicated, never duplicated type thing. It's a don't buy it in a store. Don't buy it in the store. Uh, they used to make them. I don't. I haven't seen one in the store in years. But it's actually a wing. So when you kill a turkey, kill a big gobbler, cut that wing, cut part of the wing off. It's the very last uh, portion of the feathers or of the wing. Like I don't know how eight many feathers. Eight feathers. Um, and the it's just an wing, awesome, awesome call to have. Um, so they're on the roost. It's still. It's kind of that early. The birds haven't fly down. I break out the wing. And I scratch it. There you go. That's the, the sound on I'm the old for. tree bark. See, and this is the thing that we we try and replicate as many natural sounds as we can to make birds seem more comfortable. Make them understand that hey, this is nothing new. Birds fly down every single morning of the year, 365 days a year. They hear these sounds, so we want to replicate that. This is just wing tips as birds are stretching their wings, um, getting ready to fly down. So sometimes you might hear them if you're in close, if you're in tight to birds. Um, birds just making this noise as they're stretching. These are just wing tips on bark, on, on limbs. Um, it's not loud. It's subtle. If you'd shut real. up, I'd let them hear it. Totally How about that? I think a lot of times I hear that sound um, whenever they pull their leg up and they put their leg up like all kind of and they're stretching, they pull it in. I hear that the most is when I hear those feathers <laughs> kind of make that sound. And that's the first, honestly, that's probably one of the first sounds I ever make. And I know you do too because we both carry wings uh, pretty much. As soon as the back goes against a tree, that wing comes out of the vest. Yeah, totally. And uh, and then the next call we make is a tree yelp. Now, you can make this on all kinds of different calls, um, slates, mouth calls. Matt, I know you've got a new call there that you like. Um, and so I'll let you go ahead and introduce that call and the sounds to make. Yeah, this is a this is actually a Woodhaven clucking per pot. Um, actually, this is new to me this year. I'm not sure how long they've they've made it, um, but had a friend that we hunted with in, in Mississippi use it, and it was immediately, I love that sound. And this is one of those calls that it has its purpose, it has its um, time of use, and if you pay attention and you're in amongst a flock on the roost, you will hear and you hear these noises that this call will make, and it replicates them very, very well. Now it's one of those sounds that 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 call really it's a unique looking pot. It's, it's a dual it's chambered top, pot, yeah. Um, and it's it's I mean it's a plastic pot, but it doesn't have holes coming out the bottom other than a little bitty pinhole that tiny, makes it tiny. look like it basically really muffles that sound. So um, it's just one of those sounds that uh, I mean it's a natu very natural, very soft. But you cannot locate with this call. It's one of those that 50 yards and in or 100 yards and in on a, on a calm day. 
And uh, anyway, um, so the cluck and purr pot, it's also a great call to use when a bird's trying to hang up or he's hanging out there just yeah. out of range. You want to give a few more soft calls just because I think that turkeys make a lot more sound than we sometimes believe. Um, they Way make, yes. they make a lot of sounds that can't be heard until you're pretty close to them. And that, that call is really good at replicating that. I am now on the, the boss, I believe. Um, it's the hooks custom calls boss slate call. Uh, it's, it's a pretty call, but, um, it's, it's your traditional pot call and I'm going to kind of make the same sound that Matt made. You're getting set up. I feel like those slate top calls the friction calls pot and peg whatever you want to call them that slate has this sound that makes a tree yelp a little bit better than i would say an aluminum top copper top or a glass top it's Those that are more muffled a little louder yeah, yeah. higher pitched So even between those two, you can hear a little bit of a difference in the muffle, but it's still a very similar um, cadence um, between these calls. So you're doing this. There's that that cluck and purr again, um, but it is a different sound, similar yelps on this on this pot. So it's like a five to six yeah. seven note yelp, very very soft. Um, to where you probably couldn't hear and and we can try that and this is why i honestly like the tree yelps i like to do them on a pot more yep. than a yelp or uh, more than a mouth call and and it's basically just because i can get a lot softer on you those. can control there's only so much you can kind of air you can put through a mouth call we can hear the difference there higher pitched And for me, if I'm trying to do a mouth call, a tree yelp, I kind of, I have to make basically, I almost like expand my cheeks a little bit to make that sound chamber a little bit larger to, to basically muffle it a little bit more. Instead of that kind of close or putting more air through that mouth call, I have a larger, more dispersal of that air to muffle that sound on a mouth call to make that tree yelp. I have to almost fill my mouth up with air. That's what I, that's what I try to do. immediately it's it's so much louder yeah then and so, so we we like to start out with tree yelps on friction because we like to get in tight very to soft yes so that's that's why that this friction call um we're using quite a bit more often so you're running initially. the we're both running the same mouth call as hooks custom call well, um this I, I run the heartthrob a lot more often um and, and that's what i'm running here too okay. but i i make the modification i make it a bat wing I've always right. been a bat wing fan, so it's the heartthrob by Hooks calls, but I cut it into a bat wing, and, and yours is, you kept it as Just a combo those, cut. Yeah. So yeah. that's the mouth call that I ran pretty much all year. Really like the call. Um, Versatile. I mean, if you haven't, like, the one thing unique about Hooks calls is they're a little bit thinner taped. So And as, smaller as, frame. I don't know if we mentioned this. We yeah. have no affiliation with, with call company. Uh, we just accumulate these calls over the years what we like now uh who knows what can change down the road but i will say 
if whoever it is, I promise you we're going to be using the calls that we know work. So yeah, that's our yeah. little plug for you, whoever it is. But I, I like killing turkeys too much to use calls that I don't that, believe in. Yeah, that, yeah <laughs> I don't want to use gear that I don't believe in. Yeah. And, and that's just something that we won't do. So um, you've got the Woodhaven yep. uh, pot, and we're getting ready to get a little bit louder on the Yelps because we're getting ready to fly down. So the old boss hen or whatever hen in the tree is getting ready to fly down. And so um, I personally like to be the first hen on the ground. Now, there's all kinds of stuff. People say, I don't like to call until they're on the ground. I like to call when they're in the tree because I want them to know I'm here and I want them to be thinking about me as soon as they wake up. Before, before they commit to flying down, I want them to fly down in my direction. So I need to call to them while they're on the roost to get their attention and for them to know my location so they can make that initial move pitch down in my direction versus following another hen. So he went from the tree up. Now you've got a call in hand, so go ahead and hit it. This is still the cluck and purr pot. I like to follow up the, the, the old tree up with just some general clucks and then get into some more yelps, but here we go. Anybody who's ever hunted with me knows that I cut or cluck more than I do anything. Just because I believe the cluck that's, is so natural. A, that's something that turkeys do so much of. So you did it on the Woodhaven. I'm going to do it on this uh, hooks. Boss. Boss. And this is all still on limb. Now, uh, we may have done this more. We may, we may have done a few more tree yelps. We're just checking the temperature, seeing what I need to do. And uh, But now the next step would be getting ready for our fly down. And as you're getting the wing, within both of those calls, you could hear a, a basically volume difference in that sequence. You could go from softer tree yelps to different intensity of clucks back down to softer clucks and then back to more intense tree yelp turkeys the volume that they make changes all the time so you need to reflect that in your calling too don't just make rock, 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 rock. change the sound and the volume of the the noises the clucks the purrs the um the yelps that you're throwing out there because that makes your calling much more natural too uh, and that's a good point of if you're in to not do the same notes every single time yep. not the same rhythm same canis whatever uh, cadence you want to if you do a five note yelp try to throw in a five note yelp with a couple of cuts or start with some cuts yelp and then end with some cuts try to change that up even on a uh, try to constantly change it up to where you're not giving the same sound what i i don't like seeing is somebody make the same sound every time they call if they pick yes. up a slate call they make the same sound if they pick up a crow call they make the same sound if they pick up a owl call to make the same sound change it up change the tones everything and and we're going to go through locators here in a little bit too but um i think uh i'll give you an example so we started out soft with the tree yelps if you didn't make it in you're running late and you don't make it in you can still make tree yelps but from further back you just need to use a different sound a different call and that's where i picked up the hooks exterminator um with an epay gobbler stick um and so here it is
that glass ha- surface has a has a higher pitch, but you can still see that that sequence, that cadence, the way they're a little bit more muffled and thrown together quicker instead of those longer drawn out yelps. That is a still a tree yelp, but you would use that in a situation where you're further from the roost. Maybe there's a field you can't get close. Throw and get that glass surface versus maybe that that cluck and purr pot or, or uh, the boss hen with a slate surface too. And this is when I'm perf- my personal preference. I'm in close. I can hit them on the slate and the mouth call and the wing combination. Yeah. And I have my box call and my louder crystal and aluminum slates for hitting, running, gunning later in the morning. So now this is the kind of thing the hail call and duck. And the fly down cackle, we talked about this at some <laughs> yeah, point. We did. But the fly down cackle gets it's such a like oh man, it sounded great at the Grand National Championship in Nashville. I want to replicate that. I don't do a lot of fly down cackles unless a bird is gobbling his head off and, and I and I'm like, No, this is fun. I'm gonna give it to him as just as fast as I can. So um and, and stage calling is much different from in the field calling. Totally. Um, for what you're gonna hear. So keep that in mind too as you're listening or maybe you're watching on YouTube. Maybe not all those sounds. They sound incredible, really lifelike, but not every time they're applicable in the field for a hunting situation. Well, I, I would venture to say that a lot of hens I see fly down, especially in southern Missouri, don't make fly down cackles. It, when I hunted in Virginia, very few would. <laughs> every once in a while, yeah. you'd run across we'll a loudmouth. Right. But, so fly down cackle starts out with some cuts, clucks. And it's replicating a hen flying off the roost and, and pitching that, down. That was the heartthrob. I use a diaphragm. Don't really ever use a... a you uh, can't. No, it's very, very tough to get your wrist. You, I guess you could. You could. Um, you need to be very... Uh, you, you need to have the old pot sanded up and everything. But <laughs> yeah. I don't like to just because you're usually pretty... I, I like to be close. Now, you yeah. could do it if you were just trying to really get them fired up. But I would just call that aggressive cutting right excited cutting but here is mine with the wing combined so so i replicated two turkeys flying down right there and uh that's kind of but for me i like this i like this one better That's the one I hear the absolute most in, in our region and hunting or this across one. the country. <laughs> no call, nothing. He's like, oh, no, I heard wings. Birds, birds pitch them down. So it, um, very, like, I would, I would say that's the most common. And then you get to those few clucks that are kind of spaced out um, quite a bit at the beginning, then get a little closer, silent. Then that's what you hear. Yeah, and I think... That right there, if if you believe in call shy turkeys and you believe in turkeys being pressured, the wing and just doing a f- yep. fly down um, is a way to really to to be the most realistic you can as far as uh, a hen in the area that's not talking to maybe lure him in uh, because regardless if a hen ain't talking she still makes noise when she flies down. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no and now that we're on the ground. You can do a bunch of different stuff. You can really get aggressive. You not call, whatever. Whatever your style, this is the style we like. And so once we fly down, we kind of let them gobble a little bit. And then we may hit them with just our, our normal 
somewhat long, I wouldn't call it an assembly yelp, but a longer yelp. And you notice Matt threw in a couple of clocks. That's just to add realism. Uh, it seems like I, it's I, just one of those things you almost always hear. Yeah. I, I don't typically hear just one just rop, 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 rop. It's always a cluck or thrown in somehow. And, and in that series of yelps too, some between the yelps, they had different notes, spaces between the notes. Just again, to add that realism, some were a little softer, some were a little drawn out. Like that right there, that with a little pause. That's very, very natural for hens to do that. So it's just replicating what a natural hen is going to do. Mix it up. And I think this is one of those things that you you should strive to constantly be the best caller you can because the more realistic you sound, the better chance you have at fooling a turkey thinking you're... Oh, yeah. I, I think when I was younger, some people were like, ah, it's good enough to kill turkeys. I'm like, wow, if I can practice and be much better, I'm going to practice and be much better. And, and there's a very, very large difference. We talked about like competitive calling, um, on stage calling versus like in the field. And, and again, those guys are incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, but I think with, with the evolution of, of, of hunting uh, videos, we often see a almost glorification of cutting, um, cut and running, that style of just getting burst, just hammer back. But I would be very, very uh, for and and pro not doing that nearly as much as what it's shown. Um, again, we see on the films the end result of, of a bird coming into a decoy and you're here trying to get a bird to, to gobble at the decoys or whatever it may be to finish. But what... We a use a lot to get the bird in. It's definitely not that style of calling. You might see a, a hunt in that way, but that's not honestly what brought that bird into range. A lot of times, if you watch the films, we cut at the bird when he's in the decoys, and we may not have called it at him for 200 yards because um, he's already coming. If a bird's coming, don't I, I don't call to him. No. If he shows signs in, in one of the films that uh, one of the hunts they'll see in the future will be two birds sitting across a little valley. Yes. And... Yep. We talked we, about we last didn't week even, on the podcast. We didn't even call to them until they kind of paused and it's like, okay, I need to hit them. Mm-hmm. And then they still didn't come, so I I told you to call back, respond to me, and when mm-hmm. we did that, they came in. Yeah. Um, but if they would have just marked across that fence and started coming our way, way I would have never called until they got in the decoys and I tried to make, make them gobble. Yeah. And that's exactly. it. So, um, and then so I did the the call on the slate, the hook boss. This is the exterminator. This is the first call off the roost. Couple cuts. And just uh, yelps, Simple a little yelps. bit longer yelps, and then a, another cut at the end. And that's kind of how we do it. And we'll do that a little bit um, as the morning progresses or as as it, it really just depends on what the bird does. Um, but always one of the best calls that you can have in your vest is the no call and understand when to let the pa- your patience and the gobbler's curiosity get the better of him. Oh, no doubt. And so uh, I think... A lot of us early on like to make them gobble. We call way too much. Once we get a little wiser, we realize that that's not the best. Even if we sound amazing, it's still uh, t- know when to shut up is important. I think, honestly, assembling 
clucks um, together in a series doesn't get talked about enough, but that's something that we do quite a bit um, to a bird that's already down, uh, might be just kind of deciding what's going to happen. He hasn't fully committed to the to the setup, and it's just a, a series of clucks. This is going to be um, the boss. And I want to differentiate between a cluck and a putt. Yes, so very different. Cluck. Much higher pitched than your putt. And and not as uh, aggressive. Yeah. I know it doesn't sound like it, but I'm just doing some clucks. But putt, I would be. It's It really is not a huge difference. But you in have the to certain, tune your ear to it in, in the in the when field. you hear that if you're in the field and you're set up and you hear that you're like uh oh but if you then hear the cluck you're like oh here they are they're right here it's just one of those sounds you need to you'll learn yeah. but clucking is one of those most underrated sounds so. Um, and then I've always been a fan of, so the morning's progressing, we're yelping at birds. You can yelp at all kinds of different ways, but I like yelping at them, start off with a mouth call. Cause I hope I'm in close enough. Mm-hmm. And so you can change it up. This is where it comes into, um, changing different sounds to, if he's not going to gobble at you because he's like, Hey, come over here. You can still get him shot gobble just by changing up the tone and frequency. And that's where I really try to do different things that may not sound as great to some people. But if if you change that up and get two different sounds, you can oftentimes get them gobbling on. Here's the example. They can still hear after that. Yeah, I ripped. <laughs> that was a, um, basically, I, I guess I would refer to as drop it into low gear and just changing the tone in which that hen um, is projecting her call. Started out it, a little clear yep, and then, and then went to real raspy. raspy. And to me, I call that just getting nasty get with them. nasty with them. Um, but that, that tone and that frequency change um, will oftentimes get that bird to gobble. And you might need just to locate him. Um, he's not committed. Um, and, and that, that can certainly help. And let's do a quick sequence of, and we use this a lot, oh. um, of, of answering one another. And what this does in a setup or scenario is present multiple hens, multiple turkeys in, in a situation. Um, and we might answer each other and basically we're replicating. We talked about it last week in the podcast too. Um, basically two hens basically fighting back and forth, getting really aggressive with one another, that will um, oftentimes convince a bird to come in and investigate, at least get eyes, maybe got decoys out there, um, but to see what's going on. And, and this has worked numerous times. And an important part about that is if you're doing that with a buddy or a family member and you're calling back and forth, don't be yelping at the same time. <laughs> well, and, and read each other, though, too. Like, answer one with the same or a little bit more intensity and then come back. Um, and, and, like, you're you're 
trying to outcompete the other one to replicate because that's what hens will do. Let's and let's give a scenario of basically the copycat. And this is what we talked about last week's podcast about calling hens in and getting them mad at you. If you find a boss hen that you go out and you call and a hen responds. Now, Matt, you can play the live hen. I'll play the hunter. And I'm just trying to replicate the hen right. and get her mad to bring her in, uh, hopefully with a gobble. So I'm going out and I'm making a sound. Here we go. And I, I'm like, oh, there's a hen down there. So a couple cuts and a yelp. And I oftentimes try to call over her. So if she starts yelping, I start yelping just because I can make her mad that way as well. Mm-hmm. So those are all things you can do out of the gate. You're on the ground, and, and uh, you're trying to make those sounds and bring the gobbler in. Another thing, bringing back the wing, is you can be scratching in the leaves, and I don't have any leaves here in my house but because <laughs> it's kind of hard to replicate that, but scratching leaves so it's like a... And trying to sound like a hen scratching, feeding in the leaves. If you've got birds coming in, they hang up just out of range or over top of a hill... I have had very many times just doing that, not calling, convinced that gobbler, hey, there's definitely a hen. That's a natural noise I'm supposed to be hearing at this time. And you don't even have to make any sounds on them. Call. No, just none. do that scratch, and they know none. what sound. That's why a lot of times whenever you go and you're moving around trying to get situated and a bird just runs in, he's not coming in because of your calling or whatever. He's coming in because he hears your foot, and it sounds yeah. like there's a group of hens over there scratching leaves. So. Um, Matt, you if, got if that. If I were to make a call in that situation, if oh, I yeah. could, it would be a very soft cluck purr, cluck purr. Um, but it's, it's like, you know, I'm content, I'm feeding, I'm a hen. This is just what they're natural. So I'm here. replicating the sc- scratching of leaves, yeah. and you're going to make the calls. Boy, I sound like it. That's I it. feel like an idiot making that sound. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm wading through water, but right, and and those are all things to make. Now, um, I think we pretty well covered that. Let's hit them on some of our little bit more. Let's say we're running and gunning, and we're trying to locate some birds. So, this is when uh, all about changing up sound, hitting them with something. So, if I'm in timber, I may start out at a new every 200 yards. We're trying to prospect and hit a bird, and so I may start out on a mouth call. The reason for, for the mouth call is to, it doesn't get up to as high of a volume as you would with a box call or with a glass friction call pot and peg like the exterminator. Um, so you want to start out low that first call, no response, beef it up a little bit, bring out this next call and hit them so they have a little bit louder sound carry further. And you see there's some natural pauses in there too. So if a bird does respond in your middle of that call, you can hear him respond. Hopefully wait a little bit longer, maybe do some extra clucks, and then catch that bird um, gobbling the next time and pinpoint his location. Or if you're hunting with multiple people, step away from each other. Don't be jammed up 
right there so the sound um, will interfere with someone else hearing where that bird is at. Step away 10, 10 yards or so. Another thing to do, if you're in a great listening location, just because you called on the slate and you didn't gobble doesn't mean you won't gobble at a box or another person running something. So change it up if you're in a great spot. Maybe set down and hit them a couple times. And so here I am with the old little heartbreaker, Primo's box call that I've had for a long, long time um, that I like to use prospecting. This is going to be loud, so just Plug prepare your yourself. <laughs> I have to face that other way. I think they got it. I think they got it. That's really how, I mean, when I break this out, I'm really just... I'm trying to getting, cover some ground. Getting ready to rip. Yeah. It, it's it's basically, okay, they didn't respond. At, they're not close range. They didn't respond with the with the diaphragm, stepped it up, didn't respond with the, the glass friction call. Now it's time to cover some ground, um, see what this box call will do, get the sound out there. Hopefully they'll respond and make a gobble, and then you can make the, the necessary approach from there. But it's an incredible locator um, call because it day. just covers some ground. And, and I think this is where a lot of people use a box call for your simple... Here, here is an example of the way my, my dad would use a box call. Very soft, just hitting it. I use a box call a totally different way. I like to just use it for... I think I can get better sounds out of some of my slates than I can just calling soft on a... It, it will kill birds, but we can replicate those sounds and that of that volume with a diaphragm or a, a more slate consistent better. frequency is yeah. what I get. Um, so I will sometimes use this little heartbreaker for different sounds rather than just locating. Um, but let's just say I'm, I ripped it and a bird gobbled and he really likes the sound of this box call. I'll tone it down. And this is about as far as I'll ever tone it down. But to me, I, I I much rather want to grab this thing and and let the big dog eat. Let her eat, baby. Um, so that's that's a great 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 tool. If, again, if you're out, you know, Oklahoma, um, Nebraska, South Dakota, Carry Kansas, box call. yeah, cover that ground. Let that let that those sound waves carry the distance and work for you. So that pretty well. I I think that gives a good idea. Let's go over some locator calls um, now. I, when I think of locator calls, I think of a couple key key ones: an owl, a crow, and a coyote. Mm-hmm. And an owl is the go-to. Um, starting off a morning. Starting off a morning, or when you're trying to roost birds in the evening. Yeah. And this comes down to, I think the classic: who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? We do it over and over. But there's so many other sounds very, owls make, very, and yeah. so we're gonna. I'm gonna go through some things, and Matt <clears throat> will kind of go back and forth and and kind of share. But the one, the one that I use the most is not who cooks for you all, but it's a simple. Uh, one note, just, and respond. That's it. Give and, them, and, give them the time. Like it again. It's a natural call that a bird just gobbles at. Yeah, it, it, it's that simple. And 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 that's to me, and and you'll start off soft if I think they're a little closer, just with your simple. Oh, and that soft to get that softer again is very similar to what we're talking about with the diaphragm. Um, when you tried to make a tree yelp, is make that sound chamber in your mouth and throat a little bit larger, and you will be able to replicate that more muffled sound um, 
as a bird might be a little bit closer if you're close to a uh, tree line you're like ah he's probably in that wood block start start low like you would with trying to locate with a mouth call then go to a slate start soft and work your way up work your way up in intensity picture trying to call inside of your mouth like mm-hmm. and so how do you get that roll is for me I put saliva in the back of my throat and I basically gargle it. Gargle it. It sounds, sounds gross, but that's the way it is. It's sometimes hundred percent of the time it works all the time. And and there you go. Um, one thing that I try to do when I'm trying to change up sound or sound like two different owls is change the frequency. How do you do that with an owl? I, it, this was all by trial trial by error, but I tried to take a rooster crow. Uh, 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 uh. And turn that into an owl. And so... To the other side of that. So I've got my rooster owl. To my normal... And it's two different sounds. To where hopefully if he doesn't like one, he'll like the other. Or or it goes back to an answer in a hen. Owls will answer one another in a morning situation. So you can spread out... Um, if you're trying to locate a bird, your public ground, this happens a bunch. You, you're hunting with a buddy, uh, you spread out along a ridge top, and you're listening, you're listening. Let's just say, Adam, you're further down the ridge, you're going to owl hoot nothing, you're going to owl hoot again. I may answer you and try and get that conversation back and forth, just more noise that a gobbler is going to want to gobble back at and, and basically dominate over. So, you know, we will answer one another in certain occasions um, from an owl situation. And this is where you go into the laugh of an owl. Mm-hmm. And this is where I, I I love this sound. This goes beyond the who cooks for you, but is again, it happens a bunch. It might even scare people. They don't even know what is making this noise, but this the, this higher isn't pitched, a scary one, but this higher pitched sound definitely gets birds going. Just that change from that typical note. Okay, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Boom, they'll respond and gobble at that, that owl laughter is what they call it. And then, this is kind of Hail Mary when they say the scary one. Whenever, first time you hear it, you're like, oh my gosh. You, or the guy hunting you're hunting with makes a sound, and you're like, holy cow, dude. You're trying to scare him? And that's when you go in this kind of loud um, scream. Scream. Yep. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll go through a couple hoots, and then we'll go to that. You'll know which one it is. And that shrill noise is going to, again, that change in it, it will likely get a bird to gobble if he's willing to gobble at anything. Um, again, that's that last-ditch resort um, effort to try and get him um, to gobble. But it, it works a bunch. 
It's yeah. very, very practical. It, it works to... in the morning. It works in the evening to roost birds. Um, but let's. I know go... people that even do it middle of the day. Yeah, yeah. We call them day hooters. Um, but beyond that, let's go to a crow. We're t- we're, we're, we didn't kill a bird off the roost, and we're just trying to get um, a bird to gobble back um, and, and try to pinpoint a gobble. And we're, we're covering some ground. We may, instead of calling at, at uh, location with, with mouth call, then the, then the slate, box call, we may just crow call. And see what they respond And with. this is, crow call is something I use when I know turkeys are in the area and I don't want to call to where they may go to that area. Right. I'd rather crow call. I'm not in a good position. So crow call, simple, and, and Matt and I both do those all the time. Um, let her rip. And so like you did a five or six note, um, and you can even do three or... The thing about a crow call is... You want to do it pow, 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 and then listen because they should be – it's more of a shock gobble. Um, they're not gobbling at a crow thinking, come over here, baby. Um, so <laughs> you want to just – like they would at a hen, they may say, oh, okay, gobble to lure her in. But with a crow, they're just shock gobbling. So And, and so that's pretty much uh, you you can call back and forth with your buddy 30 yards apart it's just just hammer them maybe even throw in some longer crow calls and then at one tone and then hit them real quick three sharp like for example and so you kind of change it up hit them hard right there at the end and and get them to uh, hammer. You know our li- our our wives have got to love this the, podcast we're doing. They're both in the right living now. room and they're probably like, There's only what? one wall in between us and What so, are they doing in there? They're probably saying people actually listen actually, to this stuff. Actually they're probably like, yeah, this is a normal day. This is what they That's do all actually time. what your wife said before. My wife yeah. said people actually listen to that. I'm a so, noise maker. Anyway, now we've covered the other one, the last one we have is a coyote howler. It is now almost 11 o'clock. And I live in town, so we're gonna. It is eleven o'clock, <laughs> so we're gonna try and hammer this out. Thing about a coyote call is the fact that if a coyote is too close, you may shut you may shut the birds up. Um, another thing about it is it's a it's a predator to a turkey. So I like to do this from a distance, and the same thing is true. Hit them hard and cut it off in time to hear the bird gobble. Or if you are too close, turn around and face the exact opposite direction. Call the other way. And as soon as you're done, turn your head and listen back to where the birds are. Turn your volume down. That's, That's it. it. And, That's it. and you may bark, go, bark, howl. If you really want to get into it, but always make sure you shut off in time to hear them gobble. Yep. The whole point, it's a locate the bird so you've got to make sure you hear a good clean gobble can pinpoint its location to make the best move what do i do next where do i go that covers a lot of the noises that we make um and i hope that in these situations you can you can understand okay why we may have chose this call um, or excuse me this type of call and then maybe this sequence of call um to basically lure a turkey maybe to locate a turkey but to get him in range to, to basically successfully call him in and and get him killed and this doesn't happen, I guess. I don't know where everyone's at and their calling um, 
career, if you will. I don't know another word to, to, to call it. If you're a beginner, novice, you've been doing it forever. But, like, we practice all the time, um, and whether in the in the field or whatever it may be. But um, if you're new to it, it's going to take time. It's going to take practice to basically – get these calls down and to be as lifelike as a turkey and it's going to take time in proximity to turkeys themselves to hear these noises so you can mimic them the most one of the most important things i ever learned was when to not call um and that really is what stepped up my game to really punch in more tags uh matt would you rather slight call or crystal call on a pot you Um, could only have one if i could only have one i would rather crystal for the fact that I can replicate pretty much what I need to with a mouth call, and I'd rather have a longer distance call in my vest with a glass surface than just the diaphragm itself. I, th- I would agree with that as far as I, I understand it, but over time, I really have grown to like a slate. Um, so that's where we differ. Yeah. What do you got for me? Um, would you rather... Oh, woo! Would you rather, and this we're going back to older, older calls. Would you rather try to master the wingbone call, or would you rather master? Have you seen my my granddad's call? The one he has with like it's just like the wooden dowel with a box and a sharp edge. You you uh, chalk the the base of the dowel, and you just it's basically just a cluck. The old scratch. It's not a scratch box. No. Huh. It's basically scratch box. We'll go with that. That's more more common over wing bone. Which one would you rather master and carry if you had one choice? Oh, jeez. Or, or I'd or, rather try my throat. <laughs> <laughs> what about a uh, the old push button? What happened to push button call? Oh, man? dude. Let's go on a little bit of a rabbit trail here. Do you remember the night hail? Yes. P- fighting purrs. Oh, I know guys that swore by. <laughs> And they would kill a pile of birds doing that. Yeah. And uh, you don't see that hardly anymore. No, that, you don't. That's kind of one of those things. Bring it back. I remember uh, a buddy of mine going on eBay and trying to buy them whenever he could mm-hmm. find them. And, and you don't just don't see them much anymore. But I'll tell you, if there Deadly. was a – I would rather learn a tube call. As you know, I carry one this year, and I'm not that great with it. But you know what? Birds gobble at sirens, so I can yeah. get one surely to gobble at that tube call. Um but yeah, I, I would say wingbone. Wingbone, uh, probably. But I wouldn't have random one question. Of them. I know. <laughs> yeah, scratch box or wingbone. Um, what's what's behind door number three? Yeah. Your wing. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. I'll take the wing. So we're gonna close this out on a putt per uh, kiki cackle cluster and a putt per <laughs> yeah. pitch down combination. All assemblies of different calls. Here we go.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering the podcast, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? Yeah.